theme is very exciting for all the golf nerds that listen to our show. And they're like, oh, yay, swing thoughts, yay. <laughs> it's uh, another episode of this program now, and it's uh, sixth year of trying to make sense of the chaos that is golf. Pretty excited to have our uh, guest uh, standing by. Both of us are big uh, fans of uh, the strike plan. And Adam Young, you're going to meet him in a second. There's uh, Coach Tim, everybody. Coach Tim. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. Golf spiritual leader, Coach Tim from the Guelph Griffins. Uh, it's just about uh, university golf time again. And uh, looking forward to hearing all about the, uh, the fall season. Uh, Tim looking good. Was that is that a fairway and green or is that B B Dratty man? Fairway and green. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This is um, this is one of my favorites. Is it? Just got a kind of light blue, little white there. <laughs> I uh, my wife I, told me it's blue. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I, <laughs> I threw on this. Uh, I, I think this is zero restriction, but I'm not 100 percent sure what color it is either. Uh, JWApparelInc.com. They represent Royal Albatross, PRG Golf, EPNY, Garb, B Dratty, and Zero Restriction. Find out more at JWApparelInc.com. And of course, our title sponsor, TaylorMade Golf. Unbelievable. First, they changed the shape of the driver, now changing the way they're constructed. The all new Sim 2 driver built differently around that, around that forged aluminum ring. And uh, later in the show, you're going to hear about a recent uh, GSL coach tim uh golf outing where we were just uh, geeking out over each other's golf equipment uh fully supplied by tailor-made golf i didn't even mention by the way that little uh hybrid thing that you've got that is yeah that's pretty cool the gapper the gapper yeah. v- visit yeah. tailormadegolf.ca to learn more and uh and find out about all the new uh, sim technology and uh, you were using the pick uh, ball there the picks and uh very very cool If uh, you're in the golf nerd universe, uh, you probably have come across our guest's uh, blog and his podcast. Uh, Both Tim and I have been interested in what this uh, gentleman's been doing for some time. He, uh, like us, is intensely interested in getting people better uh, in the game of golf. And he's got his uh, he's got an entire family of uh, golf improvement, not just products, blogs and books. But he's got a really unique, interesting uh, perspective we hope to explore today. Welcome to our program, Adam Young. Hello, Adam Young. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure being here. You're uh, you're very welcome, and we just get right into it. You moved from uh, the UK to the states. Did you come to America to play golf, to teach golf? Is it something that you always wanted to do? It was it was teaching. I've moved all over the world. You know, the life of a golf pro, really, especially in Europe. That's the case. So from Britain to uh, Austria, where I had to learn German, I had to give my first lessons in German, then over to. Uh, Sarasota in Florida, then Gran Canaria, then Scotland, then Spain, then Santa Barbara, now Vegas. So it's kind of just the life of a golf pro. But I'm settled in Vegas right now. Cool. Um, what did you have thoughts of being a touring pro at one point? Because what I'm what I'm kind of getting to is that intersection sometimes of what professionals will teach people and help them with the game there's often this battle between their preoccupation with their mechanics and how to swing it and playing to score. So I'm just wondering about your story. 
Yeah, I, I suppose mine's a complete flip on most uh, most professional story. Most professionals are very they learn to play the game very instinctively, and they don't know much about the, you know, the mechanics themselves. And they get down to a good level, and then all of a sudden they become a teacher, and they're like, "Oh, well, I know how to play the game, but I don't know how to teach the game." And then they start learning about all these mechanics. Mine's the complete opposite side of that. When I started, I was 15 years old and very analytical. And so I would get every single book out of the library, Ledbetter's books, Faldo's books, you know, anything I could really. And I was really enamored by the mechanics of it. You know, Tiger Woods was dominating at the time in 2000. And so I was recording his swing as a 15-year-old, freeze-framing it and drawing lines on my TV screen. (laughs) Wow. Marker, drawing plane lines and then getting into the into the backswing positions and copying it. So that's what I was doing at 15 years old. I was kind of self-teaching. Um, and, you know, I can see how that helped me to a certain extent. But then I can also see how it held me back. So, um, you know, I, I got overly mechanical. And I know you mentioned it in an email talking about tying yourself in knots mechanically and technically. And I got to that stage. I got to the point where golf wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and I actually quit it for a while, but not not too long, like three years or so. I just wasn't interested in it. We've all taken golf hiatuses, my friend. We feel, <laughs> we, we feel your pain. Yeah. yeah, we've all been in that moment of existential hey, hey, just crisis. Just a quick uh, technical thing. Just a quick technical thing. Timmy, can you just turn down uh, your computer audio or something? Is this getting a little bit of uh, sort of Reeves-purposed uh, uh, audio coming back? Okay, um, cool. So, Adam, again, I want everyone to go to adamyounggolf.com, read all about the strike plan. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But I I love what you're saying, that you started from a technical standpoint, and it kind of... You know, it. I don't know if I may ask. So, being as technically uh, attuned as you were, did that turn you into a great golfer? Did that swing mechanics lead to better golf? No, um, I think well, it led to better golf. But like I said, it also held me back in a way. You know, I was I was playing golf swing and not golf. I didn't know how to play instinctively. You know, I wasn't really a sporty person anyway, so I couldn't take uh, instinct from other other areas. Um, so, you know, I, I think having that mindset drove me to improve. You know, I, I hit a lot of balls because I was working on my swing. So by definition, you know, if you're hitting a lot of balls, you're going to get better. Um, and I think, you know, certain things were harmless in a way, you know, working on certain positions, um, you, you can't say it doesn't help at all. And that's where my balance approach comes in. But when you start, when you have this mindset that is just so involved in mechanics and you, you lose connection to the, to the game itself, you lose connection to the environment. You know, I'd be standing over a putt shot, a, a putting swing, thinking straight back, straight through, um, and, you know, so my brain is not tied into the target. So my brain is not taking in the information on, you know, how far is this? Or how much is, is it going to break? Because I'm so, I'm so bound by what I'm doing. Uh, and so, you know, the more I learned about putting, the worse my, my putting performance <laughs> became. And there's, there's also the part that, you know, I had a lot of irrelevant thoughts as well. You know, now as an instructor, I understand mechanics better. 
So, you know, when I look at a player in front of me, I'm I'm basically categorizing them into three three things. I'm saying, how is their ground contact? So, you know, how is that club contact in the ground? Is it hitting behind the gra- behind the ball or not hitting the ground at all in a thin shot? Uh, how are they hitting the face? So is it hitting the sweet spot or toe and heel? And then where is the face looking? Is it looking right or left? So those are the big three things for me. I mean, we can add other things to that, like swing path and things like that. But those are the biggest three. When when someone plays their best and their worst, usually something's changed in those big three. I would say 99% of the time. So, um, yeah, now as an instructor, I look at a player from those three perspectives and I say, well, how can I influence those? And for me, it could be a mechanical thing. And now I have more relevant things as a, as a coach. So say, for example, I want to influence someone's ground contact. I could say, well, weight shift relates to that. Swing de- direction relates to that. Um, and release relates to that. And so I think I can influence one of those. Whereas when I was learning golf, it was purely how do I make my swing look better? Right. Okay, and that's very different. That's not what I call functional mechanics. That's just mechanics for mechanics. Well, that, sake. That's just a, that's just aesthetics. I think Tim wants to jump in there, Timmy. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you mentioned, um, well, you said irrelevant thoughts. I have a, I have a follow up question to it, but you said most golfers have irrelevant thoughts. I'm just curious what an irrelevant thought would be. Um, how do I make my ba- my takeaway look better? Okay. I, I shouldn't say it's irrelevant, but I kind of layer on things or I, I, would, I would put things in a hierarchy of how it influences impact. Because this is, a, this is a fact rooted in physics. If you want to change your outcome of your shot, you have to change impact in some way. And I'm not even talking about the body positions, you know, because we even see different positions on tour. Jim Furyk looks very different to Brooks Koepka at impact. Um, I'm talking about how is that club head moving through space at impact? So there's about three quarters of an inch where that club is connected to the ball. And that is where the ball receives all of its, its information. So if your ball goes left, right, long, short, it's because something's happened at impact. And so then we would say, well, what influences impact and how can we put that in a, in a hierarchy? So, for example, if I want to influence someone's ground contact, I'm not going to change their takeaway because to me that's irrelevant. Right. And I, I think of this in terms of if I had 100 golfers in front of me, all with different takeaways, all with weird takeaways, and I, I – made their takeaway more textbook, whatever that is. How many of those would improve their ground contact? And to be honest, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't change in most people. In fact, you'd get just as many people get worse. Exactly. Get It'd be a complete lottery. Whereas if I changed someone's weight shift, if I did that with 100 golfers, then all of them are going to move more towards the right direction. Right. So there are things rooted in geometry as well. Sorry. Um, you know, it's interesting. Is I, we spent a lot of time in the last six years not consciously avoiding talking about the technical side of the game, which we're both interested in. But one of the uh, sort of ra- the raison d'etre of our show, the premise originally was we felt that through conversations with experts and, and uh, different t- people from golf that we could influence somebody's game 
without really changing their swing too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt like directly, there's, yeah. directly that, that there's four to six shots in most handicapped golfers rounds, handicapped golfer rounds that are have nothing to do with ground impact or, or compressing your irons. They just have to do with you made a shitty decision. So <laughs> and, and but and, and I and I'm, I've spent some time on your blog, as Tim has. And I find it interesting because you're such a good technical guy. Uh, Tim's got the strike plan. I'm going to ask you to to let me have it digitally, if that's possible. Um, but how do you now? I'm getting to the question. So how knowing what you know and and the journey that you've been on from a technical now to a practical, how do you then bring the two together where you've got some golfers in front of you and you know that you can help them with their physical game. But how do you get them to understand that there's a game out there to be played that has nothing to do with the strike plan? And I don't say that disrespectfully. No, definitely. Well, you know, there there are three types of camps of of golf instructor, right? You've got the incredibly technical, which I would say 95% of instructors fall into, right? And I've just been talking about that. I talked about my, you know, my own game where I was reading all these technique books. Um, most instructors fall into that camp. They see golfers as purely mechanical meat, right? And it's, it's just not, you know, <laughs> we should see By the way, that, just that, for you, know? for you geeks, that's the first time mechanical meat has been said on this show in six years. Adam Young, <laughs> hang on a second. There you go. Okay, uh, so <laughs> most golfers are just meat sacks with bad swings. Yeah. Um, and then you see the other camp, you see the swing your swing camp, which says never change your swing. Just keep going with what you what you want. I, I see both of those camps as being correct, even though they're polar opposites. They can have some element of being correct. You know, if you're just swinging your swing, you're probably going to perform better with what your what motion you come to the table with. However, we have to understand there are horrible motions as well that are going to limit you to a certain extent. So. You know, I see our swing motion as kind of the the bar um, or it's like the car that we're driving. Um, you know, you can't win a Formula One race with with a Mustang or with, with the car that I have. You know, it's a fast car, but it's not going to win a Formula One race. And so how do we raise the bar? Well, usually raising the bar is by improving some some version of our mechanics. Um, however, you know, you could put me in a Formula One car and I'd crash it. I don't know how to use it. So there also has to be that element of swing your swing or drive your car, getting getting used to your mechanics. Um, and so both camps are correct there. I, I've identified a third camp as well, which is skill development, which no one really talks about. So it's like, you know, how do we improve our driving skills as such, our driving of the car? Um, and so for, in golf terms, skill is can you present the club face differently? So can you present the face more open, more closed to impact? Can you present the club more towards the toe or more towards the heel? And can you hit the ground farther forwards and farther back? And what's amazing is everybody, every single golfer, even someone who's just picking up the club for the first time, has these skills. They have the ability to change these things. If I ask a complete beginner, can you just hit a shot to the right for me and then hit a shot to the left? And I just tell them it's all, all that's going to control this is where that you present the face. And I say, you know, just start with a little putting swing, just a tiny swing like this and present the face open. Even a complete beginner can do that. And then we just build on more, more levels of difficulty. You know, as a, 
as a better player, I might say, can you hit a big right and then a small right, a big left and a small left? And then when I get all the way up to elite level and I'm working with a, a GC quad, I might say, can you present the face three degrees open, two degrees open, one degrees open? And so this is an interesting form of practice, actually. You're practicing what you don't want, which is intentionally presenting the face in different directions. But what I've seen is that when players do this, their ability to do that improves and their ability to do the right thing improves. And I know so I was going to say, I, I'm, so let me interject and I say what, what I know Coach Tim is thinking is what that also does, Adam, is it, it increases awareness. Mm-hmm. It increases your body's ability to feel degrees of uh, distinction. Exactly. Yeah, well, we're, yeah. Thanks, Howard, because where I was going to go with that was and, and this is what intrigued me about your work right from when I got the, uh, the practice manual a number of years ago was what I've been intrigued about your work, Adam, is is that, you know, you've talked about some technical aspects about presenting the face and club path, that kind of thing. Most people, as you said, ninety percent of of people who <laughs> who teach people as if they're technical meat. Uh, we're, this is going to become a new catchphrase. I think we're going to have some merch with that on it or something. But you do it in a way in which they're not fixated on on internal focus, such as you know, do this with my right wrist, do this with my you know, rotate that kind of thing. And yeah. and where I want you to go with this, the invitation is is that how do people improve their strike their compression without tying themselves in knots or paralysis by analysis with all this internal focus yeah and that's that's exactly right i mean what i wouldn't want people to get from the initial part of our conversation is that i'm a very mechanical coach what i want them to get is that i understand mechanics to a deep level you know i could talk with instructor about d plane and kinematic sequence and forces and talks however when i'm with a player I might give them a very simple task and let the movement evolve as a result of that. So one of the, one of the ones that I'm kind of famous for in a way, and I'm not famous, but I went on a different podcast and I talked about this concept of the nail drill. And so it's a, basically I have a ball with a nail driven through it. And so if I if I had a player who's way over the top, you know, you could say things like, oh, their arms doing this, their shoulders doing this, their kinematic sequences doing that, or whatever. If I get that player with that nail and I angle that nail to the right and I just ask them one thing, I say, how would you hammer that nail with your club? All of a sudden, their sequence changes, yeah. their swing plane changes, their kinematic sequence changes, their arms position, positions change. And I won't have said anything about their mechanics there. All I've done is I've changed what's going on here in yeah. their brain. I've, I've asked them. So I, I talk about the concept. I say, you know, how are you trying to hit this ball? What, what, are you, what are you consciously trying to do? And sometimes people are not conscious about it. They're just running on auto programs. And so by putting that nail down there, they're like, oh, okay, this is, this is how I should hammer it. And that's a concept called self-organization, where you give someone a task or uh, you change someone's intention. And as a result of that, their impact obviously change and their, and their mechanics change. So I found ways as, as a coach of changing 10, 
20 things in someone's swing just by giving them one thought. You know, um, again, it's interesting we're having this discussion with you because I, I would say, Timmy, this might be the longest single uh, focus we've had on uh, mechanical changes, but from a sort of, well, I want to say this, organic uh, aspect uh, Adam Young is our guest, and Adam Young Golf is where you find out more about him. Uh, the strike plan is available. The practice manual is something you might be interested in. And what we like about this, I, again, I speak for Tim, is that I, I love what you just said. A lot of golfers will read about you know having their right shoulder externally rotated and their elbow leading their wrists, but it's a hard thing to synthesize. But your type of teaching seems to concentrate on more natural methods to achieve what you want your player to do. And the other thing before I let you go is that, or let you continue is those seem to be, those would, those changes would be more uh, permanent. It would seem to me. Yeah. Well, so for example, one of the instinctive ways that I would change someone's face strike is, you know, lots of instructors. I, this always makes me laugh because you know, someone will post a swing and they'll say, oh, my, my player is hitting out the heel Can you in, in these forums for instructors. Um, I don't know what to do with this swing. And then you have a list of 100 instructors jump in <laughs> and they all have different ways of improving their strike. And I look at that and I say, well, I've never had trouble changing someone's strike. So if a shanker comes to me and they say, I'm on the verge of quitting, I know I've got a 99% chance for it, uh, a success of that player leaving that lesson, not shanking it again. And how I do it is I use this, their brain. I use their intention. And I would start out with a little chip shot. And I would say, just, uh, you know, entertain me for a moment and try to hit the toe of the club. I don't even want you to hit the heat. I, I don't want you to try to hit the center. You're already trying to do that and it's not working. Try to hit the toe of the club, the complete opposite side. And if they say, well, I don't know how to do that, I say, well, just try. Just try. And in nine times out of ten, maybe more, people can do it. People can hit the toe of the club. If they can't, I give them a little concept. I say, well, just try to hit an object that's a little closer to your feet. So sometimes I'll spray a dot uh, with Dr. Scholl's foot spray. I'll, sh- I'll spray a dot on the ground that's a little closer to them. So I'll spray, spray the blades of grass that's closer to their feet if people can visualize that. And I say, just try and swing the club head over that. And, uh, and once they can do it with a chip shot, we work up, I say, add a little bit more speed. Now add a little bit more speed and now hit, the, hit, hit it harder. And then all of a sudden they're at a full swing. And they, they say, well, I'm not hitting the toe of the club. And I say, yeah, how many have you shanked in the last hour? And they go, huh, I haven't shanked a single ball. Mm-hmm. And that could have been someone who was shanking nine times out of ten before. And so I haven't changed anything. Their swing might look exactly the same on camera, um, yet they're not shanking it anymore. You've, you've changed their ball. concept of how to deliver yeah. the ball. I've, Howard, yeah. we should have had Adam the first time you and I played golf oh, yeah. together. That's yeah. another um, story. But... Uh, Oh, go ahead, Timmy. Yeah, what I wanted to to get at what what you're what you just described is so interesting in terms of like, there's so many golfers who have got the you know the they call it the chip yips or the shanks or whatever or just they're just not be able to hit the planet 
And their solution is generally run to YouTube or Instagram or something and find something that they're, that they're doing incorrectly with their elbow, their shoulder, like Howard was talking about. And what you're talking about is giving them that intention, hit it off the toe. And just as you said before, the body self-organizes based on the intention. And so the golfer doesn't need to be thinking any of that nonsense of, of which leads to just more muscular tension and more questions in the mind. Am I doing this right? And if I'm not doing it right, I must be a complete effing loser and just <laughs> throw the game. What's wrong with me? Why can't I get golf? Exactly. So, no, that's what I love about that's that what attracts me to your approach, Adam, is that as you as we talked about earlier, there's this balance between there are some things we need to do to hit the ball on line, to compress it, to strike it, you know, well, but the the normal way is just not that's the way that's the paralysis by analysis route. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, here's where here's where I want people to get from this. <laughs> I'm an instructor. I, I just went down a vortex yeah, I, there. I'm like, I'm I like, did know. you just did you just shank that question because you're like, ah, well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I just know how to how to, how to how to wind it up gracefully. No, no, there that was go. great. Like you were like that was like a, a perfect like you hit a great drive. Your second shot was close to the green. Then you just scat you skank sculled it over the wedge. Um, yeah, what I, happened there? With yeah, that everything question? was oh, very God. high level. And then, listen, man, that's I, we're here for you. Uh, I, I know what Tim's getting at, that your approach is different. I want to talk a little bit about, okay, um, I, you know, we're, I'm, we're big, uh, you know, we're big uh, Scott Fawcett fans here. I'm a big decade guy. Uh, I know Tim told you that I'm an, I'm an elite player. I'm a scratch golfer. I play tournament golf. And I wrote this the other day to, to Stagner and to Fawcett. And I said, the longer I play, the more I'm convinced that better golf has little to do with better swings. Skills are important, but strategy and expectation management ultimately lead to lower scores. Mm. What would you say to that? I'd say it's it's about that bar again, isn't it? So, you know, I my my lowest score with my mechanics because they're they're reasonably good or say let's say tiger's lowest score with his mechanics is going to be close to a 59 58 something like that whereas you know if you've got someone who say slices the ball 50 yards and as a result loses a lot of distance from that their bar is going to be a lot lower now you can reach that bar you can get closer to reaching that person's potential through things such as improved skill um, improved cognition, so all the all the strategy side of it. I love all that stuff as well. Um, through improving someone's thought processes, where someone's attention is, things like that. So you can reach someone's bar um, much more often. But have but you not? I, I'm sure. But ha- have you not had this experience as a teacher where you take somebody and you really help them organize their strike, and they go from being somebody that hits it at a 20 handicap level, and you get them hitting it at a 10 handicap cap level, but they still don't reach that potential because they don't know that golf swingy stuff isn't how we play the game. I know that's yeah, not exactly. the tech. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, and you have to identify as a coach. You have, you know, I look at that player and I say, well, they, they have the swing or the strike. You know, they have the ball results of a of a five handicap. So why is this playoff twenty? I'm not right. going to go there and improve that player's swing. I'm going to say, oh, look, what's 
what's wrong in your playing game and your approach to the game that's leading to those higher scores. Right. Whereas, you know, if someone is um, hitting it 180 yards and there are five, <laughs> then you'd say, well, look, we might have to improve your distance to raise that bar because yeah. you're, you're maxing out your potential right now with what you have. Well, Adam, one of the things I want to ask is something that could be like a takeaway and perhaps even a preview of your strike plan for our listeners is, yeah, a lot of players struggle with hitting behind the ball, the the dreaded fat shot. And, you know, and, and that's what golfers covet so much as that solid hit. It's just we just love that. But so many players struggle with the with the fat shot. What's something that you could give our listeners uh, that would be a uh, nice taste of your strike plan in terms of how to, in to, essence, solve to an, the fat shot? To, like, you're, you're, there's an article you've got called How to Compress Your Irons, How to Compress Your Iron Shots in Golf. And that's kind of what Tim's getting at. It's a really good article. I want everyone to go check it out. But give us a little preview and, and something that somebody might take away as they listen to this podcast on the way to their golf uh, game this weekend. Well, if I was to give someone a very powerful thing, I would I would actually give them a task. It wouldn't be mechanical. Um, you could go the mechanical route. So I could say to someone, shift your weight more, shift your weight earlier, you know, get to your left side earlier. That If I give 100 golfers and I ask them to shift their weight more, their low point is going to move more forwards, which means their ground contact will move more forwards. However, it'll move forwards inconsistently. Uh, through a mechanical approach. And the reason why is because they're going to sometimes do their old swing and then they'll sometimes do the new swing and then they'll sometimes overdo the new swing. And so they, they kind of, you know, this is why you know, mechanical approaches might help, but I would go with more task. And usually I get, I get someone into a bunker and I rake the bunker flat, like a fairway bunker. And I just draw a line in the sand and I say, right, place that line where you would normally have your ball. I say, right, now make a swing and try to hit that line. And I give them 10, 10 attempts, and every single one is going to be two, three, four inches behind that line because that's where a fat shot is, right? And they, they go there. They go, well, I don't understand this. I'm trying to hit that, that line. They go, yeah, you're not. <laughs> so number one is just building awareness to what they're actually doing because many yeah, people, that's very good. Yeah. when they hit a fat shot, they don't understand what's happened. Yeah. In fact, after doing that drill, people often scratch their head and they go, oh, I thought a fat shot was just going too deep in the sand. That's I say, right. no, you can go as deep as you want in the sand as long as you hit that line first. And then I'll demonstrate to them. And often that is enough, that demonstration of me hitting that ball then turf or hitting that line first and then hitting after. That is enough in itself to trigger in them a self-organization of better mechanics. Very interesting. So they don't have to think about it. They, they're given the task of try to hit this line. And as a result, oftentimes I'll see their weight shift will improve. And I, I haven't told them anything about it. 100%. But again, that's how a task can bring a rise mechanics. And that's my preferred approach, right? I would much rather give someone a task to get, get these mechanics rather than give them the mechanics to get the task. Well, I'm going to pimp you out here very quickly in the last couple of minutes because, uh, and again, this I almost never talk about what I'm working on technically because I think the biggest uh, gift that we give to our audiences 
is giving anecdotal evidence of, of score farming is what I call it. It's actually a, a friend of ours who works with some tour players calls that, you know, gathering score. But one of the little things that I've been working on, and I talked about it with Tim yesterday afternoon when we were playing, and I almost never do this during the season, but I've got a bit of a break now between tournaments. And I'm tr- what I'm tr- what I've always struggled with as a good player is that, you know, I'm an older golfer. So I grew up with the reverse C and I never really learned to post up pre impact. I know that's a technical thing. And uh, and I've been working on it the last couple of days with one of my one of my friends who teaches it's it's almost the thing that's elusive and hard to understand for amateur golfers when we see professional golfers do it, and even good players like me. I want to know what your thoughts are in an organic way if you were to look at my swing and go, yeah, he slides by a little bit before I post up. What's the secret that you see in terms of posting up before you get to the ball? Do you know what I'm asking you? Um, I, well, I would first say, what are you trying to influence and why uh, by doing that? Are you trying to influence ground contact or are you just trying to chase a, a look or is it no, for injury prevention? I, no, I'll tell you what I'm trying to chase is that my 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 it's, it doesn't seem to show up as much with my longer clubs, long irons and driver. My seven, eight, nine irons, I've been I've been hitting them lower than I want to because I'm getting ahead of them and everything. It's almost like I hit these. It's like every nine iron I hit looks like I'm hitting a knockdown shot. So I'm trying to get the 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 uh, the height back in them. And part of it is because I just sort of slide by them a little bit. I, I, again, you don't if you don't have anything, that's fine. I just thought if you had something that you would say to me, like the bunker drill, that would get my my leg to sort of it's not even visually. It's just sort of physically. I wanted to post early. Yeah, I might ask you to splash the sand and splash it really high. So that usually gets players to spring up more a, a little bit and post up and get the hand path to work it up a little bit more as okay. well. Um, but other than that, you might just work on it directly. And so this is this is where my approach is that blend of all of these things. So I will sometimes work on technical things. Basically, when I'm working on something body-wise, it's usually something to... Um, help change a lot of mechanics. So I might give someone one swing thought that influences two or three things. Um, So say, for example, if I give someone lead wrist flexion, which is kind of a a popular thing to do at the moment, and I don't do that to everybody. The reason why I would give someone lead wrist flexion is if they want to hit it lower and if they want to hit it more left and if they want to hit it more out of the toe. Right. And if if uh, they want to move the ground contact or low point forwards more, so you know I can I can change four things there mechanically down at impact just by giving them one swing thought. So it's kind of a you know kill four birds with one stone approach. Yeah, so which which thing, is just, great. So one of the things I want to just so. Adam, you've got a podcast. So I want to give you a little tip on doing a podcast. When you get an expert like yourself, it's like being at a party with a doctor. You come up and say, hey, doctor, <laughs> that's that's right. a pain in my elbow yeah, here. Exactly. What do you think? Uh, and, and by the way, this I, and Tim will tell you, this is the first time I've asked anybody a technical question, just because it's fresh in my mind. Uh, Adam Young, <laughs> AdamYoungGolf.com. Uh, the strike plan is there. Uh, what a pleasure to uh, to talk to you in person. Give our best to Sherman. Tell him we're, we're going to try and get him back on the show. Uh, what is the name of the uh, podcast that you kids do? 
It's the sweet spot. The sweet spot. Uh, nice. And it is available uh, wherever you get podcasts. I, I want everyone to go and check out uh, Adam's uh, site because it's not just a guy shilling for a system, although there's something. There's a great blog that we'd love you to read, adamyounggolf.com. And uh, what a pleasure to speak to you. Hopefully, Adam, this won't be the last time. We don't want to scare you off. Uh, I know it's a lot to take in here. No, I've got plenty more to talk about. Yeah, can I, I just leave you people with one thing? Yes, please. Sure. I'm. A, I, I've talked a lot about technique. I want people to understand. If I know all this stuff about technique, I choose to do the simple stuff as a coach. right. If you have a lesson with me, it's incredibly simple. I might spray a spot spot on the ground and say, can you try and hit that for me? Or can you try and present the face more open for me? My teaching is very, very simple. So if I know all this technical stuff, yet I choose to do the simple stuff, there's got to be something in there. Absolutely. Totally. Well, that aligns with our mission, sir. Yeah. The, the practice manual. Tim, sh- hold up the book again. The practice manual. There we go. There it is. And... Uh, I'm going to send you an email if you can give me an e-copy e of the strike plan or whatever. And I want to talk, and we're going to share it on our site as well. Thanks, Adam, my friend. You take care. Yeah, thank you, guys. There's a very nice, Thanks. you're a very nice fellow. You know what? You're a very pleasant fellow, and I appreciate you. Okay? Both of you also. I've just watched 10 <laughs> episodes of ten, Ted Lasso, so that's what I say to people now. I appreciate you, Adam Young. <laughs> take care. See ya. There's Adam. He's going to let himself out, all right? I don't, can you hear what I'm playing? A little porno for pirates? Porno for pyros, I mean, not pirates. <laughs> I haven't heard that. that you don't know this song? Cool. This is a total edge. Uh, this was back Humble and Fred days in the 90s. Porno for pyros. Um, this was a big uh, CFNY H102 song. Uh, Sounds yeah. a little bit like Jane's Addiction. Yeah, well, that's where Perry Farrell. It's a uh, good call. Oh, there you go. There you go. Look at you, Mr. Former uh, Music Critic. Well, yeah, you know, I got a set of ears on me, you know. I got <laughs> very nice ears, too, by the way. Thank you. So uh, O'Connor and I uh, had uh, just uh, the, 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 the circumstances conspire to bring us together on a golf course uh, yesterday afternoon, and we realized uh, for not not only in a golf course, but the first time we've seen each other in person since 2019. <laughs> you know, when we were younger, I was in my fifties. <laughs> <laughs> that was before I was in my sixties. That is funny. When it all yeah. went to hell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, it was such a. Uh, such a gift. I mean, it was hilarious. I was having. I had a coaching session, and I uh, said goodbye to the, well, to the client. I'm doing some notes. My phone rings. He goes, "Hey, Howard, I, I, my golf has fallen through. I need I need my golf fix. Are you are you available? What about at Blue Springs? Well, I'm actually at Blue Springs right now. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't have been better. I was uh, out in Hamilton. I was supposed to play at Heron Point, and that game uh, fell through. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And I just, I called you. Uh-huh. Well, I called you because I thought, okay, he's in Guelph. Maybe we could meet for nine at Blue Springs. And when you said you were at Blue Springs, my heart just went, aw, my Timmy. <laughs> and uh, so I raced there, and you and I played uh, nine holes, and uh, I just loved it. You know, it's funny. It was the first nine holes I've played in a long time where I wasn't really keeping track of anything, and I hit it horribly. I was there to witness your your stuff, and uh, 
I got to tell you, swing thought nerds, STDs, swing thought devotees, this Tim O'Connor fucker can hit it, man. Hits it great. And uh, I was very impressed, as I always am, but even more so now. Like, you've really, since I last saw you hit a golf ball in person, just really, you know, love the way you organize yourself around the, the ball and how, you know, you want to talk about a good, you know, ground contact and all that stuff. Just, it really was nice to see. And, and you know, the, the few little things we talked about, I... You know, you're the player, I think, you know, and I was referring to that in Adam's uh, talk there. Like, you know, I don't know what your handicap is, but your your golf skill swing set is 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 you you have the ability to be a much lower, you know, a a low single digit handicap. I think. Thank you. I I think so. You know what? I it was very interesting. So, folks, what uh, so. The, the part of the gift for me was for Howard and I to play was a to see the guy for, actually, you know, without it being in pixels, actual, uh, and it was kind of, it was really funny. I thought that was great. Hey, I'm double vaccinated. You're double vaccinated. Give me a hug. That's right. Give him a big <laughs> hug. I said, you double vaccinated. He goes, yeah, I can give me over here, buddy. Exactly. Let, me, let me hold you to my heart. Exactly. Yeah. So the uh, I'm going in my club C starting today, yeah. and so it was a, a great opportunity to just geek out on the golf course. And um, you know, folks, as you've been hearing, Howard, who's doing his PhD in decade, uh, <laughs> that's right. Thank, thank you. Um, just learning a ton around the whole course management piece, and so we ran, we went around the golf course and. We looked at various situations and approaches, and I can just sum it up by saying, and I said to you, like, holy shit, this is like scratch golfer inside dope info. You know, things like just, you know, when I short-sighted myself, I was on a on a on an incline hitting up to the green to just kind of um, close close the face a bit to lead to better compression, yeah. you know, and, and walking, say you got a, a, a chip or a pitch or a long putt and walking, say halfway down on the, to the apex and just, which allows your body to see it and that, and feel what's going on. I thought that was really, really cool stuff. And, and um, not to blow smoke, but that's why you're a good player is you've got this, this, you develop this, higher level of experience and awareness well and i i thank you for that i'm gonna read you a note i got from somebody i played with on um on wednesday a a good you know an avid player like yourself and and you know and i you know i gotta be honest sometimes when i'm playing with guys and they ask me a question about this stuff i i always warn them i go listen you just let me know when you've had enough because I have a lot of this stuff to share and I, and I don't want to share all of it. If you're anyway, this one guy I play with is a very good player, uh, swings it like you do very, very good compression. But he wrote me a note. He said, Hey Howard, I just want to say thanks again for the game today. It's great to hear your approach to things on the course and thanks for the tips, especially the ball position. You know, he had one of those very much like you, his ball position keeps sneaking back, but what I like about that note is, you know, all I did was the same thing with you. I, I sort of showed him a couple things where if you're in this position, all you're trying to do is like, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about on the show, and I've talked about it with uh, in reference to Fawcett and that is that, you know, the, the, the thing you cannot do is two chip. 
you know, on the second hole we played last night, you basically sculled a bunker shot into the hazard. You can't do that. I'm not saying it's because you're a bad bunker player, but a lot of those shots are intention. And as I told you, my intention in that moment would be different. I wouldn't be trying to get it close. I'm just trying to get it on. If it gets close, great. The, the little things like that, that you go around the golf course, you know, Tim made this chip last night on the ninth hole. It's a par five. He had a beautiful drive. And then we talked over where he was going to lay up. And then he hit this beautiful pitch to four feet and made a four. Now, I look at that and I think, oh, that guy, that guy that can do that can shoot around par golf. And what's holding him back, you back, as we're talking about you, what holds them back is there's those things for every situation. So what I showed mm-hmm. Tim was if you've got an uphill pitch to a near pin and most of you all are going to either leave it short or try and do too much. And I said, here's the thing somebody showed me. And rather than open the club face, I just I just hood it slightly. And what that does is it guarantee it guarantees good contact because in those situations par is no longer what you're trying to do what you're trying to do is not make a double bogey and so all those things add up to making only bogeys allows you to use your birdie on nine and and keep on playing and and it's what i mean you know i i really thought it was interesting we're talking all this technical stuff with adam because really what we stand for is the things we talked about last night in the golf course which is aim better mitigate your mistakes if you are going to make a mistake make sure it's only a bogey or a double and then play on and that's really the secret you know yeah well bang on and it takes me back to the ontario mid-am qualifier i played at whittington lakes about two or three weeks ago and this fellow i played with uh he uh very strong man um he's kind of about i think late 40s i mean he hit the ball but he would make these choices. I would just go, oh, my gosh. I mean, he'd have like 220 into a green over water, and he'd be hitting a hybrid. <laughs> Sploosh. And, you know, he just like, his card was littered with doubles and triples and all this, all based on decisions he made that basically, you know, he was self Injuring himself. No, um, I know what you mean. Like he's sabotaging. Yeah, totally, totally, totally self-sabotage. And that's the thing that uh, I'm coming to understand so much more. Like, yeah, I, I work in this this area of uh, of performance and and mental game, but there's a there's also a learning that's going on uh, for me around that playing of the game aspect of it, and 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 so much of it is around managing ourselves around the golf course so that we take that big number out of play and give ourselves just a a better advantage of scoring. And I've had this discussion with you and other friends of ours, Doolin and Charles Fitzsimmons, and I talk about it a little bit with uh, Sean Casey and other friends of mine, Henrik. You know, yes, you know, what you tell and what you teach your players. What is that? That is... An indication that it's recycling day in our condo neighborhood. Nice. So, what is that stick you have there? That's cool. Well, it was it, it was um, it's from the golfer's toolbox. Honestly, so you shut uh, your window with that? That is really cool. I, I do, but because because my office my desk is away from the window, I don't think I'll reach it. So That's okay. let's just move on from this. Um, I don't no, know I don't mind. It it I thought it was very cool. Uh, I love those moments. 
Anyway, what I was getting at is you can have a, a great mental attitude and you can go see Tim O'Connor and you can, you know, not be an asshole on the golf course and be a better partner and all that's great. And you can be in your body and you can work on your breathing and all of those are uh, essential tools. Speaking of the toolbox. But if you don't know how to to play the game and, and, and play it based on what you stand for. And I want to get to something that I, I quote you all the time. When you start working with Tim, one of the first things he's going to ask you is, why do you play golf? And I, I spoke about this with my brother recently, a psychologist. I said, that's one of the things that Tim does that I really like. But I said, what I would also add to that, why you play golf is, because most people would say, I play golf as I want to enjoy myself. Uh, 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 uh. But in, in actual fact, the bullshit, uh, all bullshit aside, most people play golf because they want to see how low they can shoot. The problem is they don't like to tell it. You know, we've just, we've spoke of this. They don't like to tell other people that because it would make them seem like they're trying too hard. But if we're all being <laughs> honest... I mean, you're a six handicap. My brother is a 15 handicap, 14 handicap. If I said to you, Tim, all the other reasons why you play golf, outdoors, fellowship, fitness, blah, blah, blah. If you say to me, Howard, I want to, I play golf because I want to go from a six handicap to a three handicap, which is absolutely doable. Then I would say to you, okay, then make every decision on the golf course based on that, that, that what you stand for. Because if you stand for being a three handicap, make three handicap decisions. Don't make right. ten handicap decisions. And, and what I'll finish with, I played in my club championship last weekend with all the kids, not the senior guys. I played with kids, as one of them that you know, that, that hit it. This is under 40, right? <laughs> yeah. I played with a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 30. I mean, I was, I was, I did the, the you know, I played the, the oldest guy I played with was, was the third day and he was like 51. Um, my point is, I laid up on par fives off the tee because where the bunkers were, were, were basically in my driving distance carry, which I know that. So, I stand for low. I want to shoot the lowest score I can, so I'm not a sh- weirded out or embarrassed or feel self conscious about laying up on a par five off the tee because that is my pathway to the lowest score on that hole. That's what I'm saying for you is like you got to start making a stand, and this is for everyone. You have to take a stand for what you're really playing for, which is to shoot the lowest score you can. And if you don't, if you say that's not why you're playing, that's fine. But I think most of us, if we're being honest, that's why we're playing. We want to well, see. I, think I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Because as an avid golfer, quite honestly, I know that if I shoot a low score, indeed, one of the things I'm thinking of as soon as I'm off the course is, I wonder what's going to happen to my index. It's just, it's a lovely thing. You go in, Golf Canada, do, 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 put it in. Yeah, that's right. And that, mag- that little magic moment. What happens to that number? Oh, yes. Or, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, come on. Wait a second. What, yeah, so, what score did I just lose? Exactly. No, but the thing, the point I'm going to make, though, is is that, indeed, m- making decisions in, in, in a very um, thoughtful, intentional way. But the balance is, of course, that we can't – we can make good decisions, but then the balance is, is knowing that we – can in fact control what's going to happen a lot of the time. Yeah. So 
we can make a decision. We're going to hit a ball in a certain place, but it it doesn't go there. Or despite putting a good stroke on it, the ball doesn't go in. We we can influence things by the decisions we make. But then, of course, it's not to get too deep in it, but it's it's it, how do you respond to when it doesn't go well? So it's it's just that balance of of making good decisions based on the results you want, but not. Uh, craving a certain result and not beating the living crap out oh, no, of yourself no. when you yeah. you don't get the exact result. And you fair want. enough. That that's you know that's where you and Charles and Dooland, you know that's where you can help a player. Okay, what do you do when 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 it doesn't go your way? What I'm talking about is making the strategic decisions around 100%. the golf course <clears throat> based on what you stand for. Because I played a lot of people that. Uh, seem to make decisions that I know um, watching it happen are based on some kind of fantasy about, uh, you know, looking good or they don't want to be embarrassed or whatever. And, and no, to your point, you know, it's, uh, you know how you react to bad shots, and we'll get to that in a second. I'm talking about this. We're on the ninth hole. You hit your great drive, and you're about one... You know, see, we're about uh, 190 on a direct line over a hazard and a bunker to the green. And I and you said, oh, I, I'm going to probably lay up. And I said, well, just hang on a second because you're a strong man who has a good golf swing. I said, what I would look at is there's a bunker about 30 yards right of the green that even if you hit it, if you hit it at that bunker and pull hook it, you'll probably be on the front of the green. If you uh, hit a block, you're fine. You could snap hook it and still be fine on that line. And sure enough, you get up there and I think you hit six iron or something. You beautiful swing. You were 30, 25 yards short of the green with the whole green to look at. It was just the most, they were just good decisions. It had nothing to do with your golf swing. And even if it hadn't worked out exactly like you wanted it to, it was, it gave you enough wiggle room that if it was the if the worst shot you could hit on that blind showed up, you would still be in play, and and that's what I'm talking about. When I I don't hear enough guys dis, discuss this, yourself included, and 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 Charles included. I, I think when we finally you know do our seminar pathways to par, that these are the things <laughs> that will just chip away each hole at your overall score. Because well, absolutely, Love because it. the yeah. wor- the worst you were going to make on that hole was par. I mean, you made a beautiful pitch, but even if you'd made a horrible pitch and you had a fifteen footer, you were going to two putt it, and and five was all you could make. And that's all I'm saying, to everyone is like if you stand for low, make a, be honest with yourself. If you stand for lower scores, then when you have a bad shot. You, you don't freak out because you go, oh, from this point forward, I'm going to see what's the lowest score I can make. I've hit it in the trees. Because, mm-hmm. you know, most guys hit it in the trees and they find that little space. And Fawcett always talks about this. Chip out. Shut your face. Just because <laughs> because you will make you will make more bogeys from chipping out than you'll than the the odd you know then the you'll never make you'll make one part of 40 you'll make five triples and two doubles and a whole menu of shit that's what he means by you know by the statistics around the game go with that let them be your friend because i gotta tell you timmy i watched you play for two and a half hours and we hit balls after and i was just kind of like 
going home like, wow, I thought to myself, this guy just has all the tools. Well, that's, well thanks very much. Appreciate that. And um, so, yeah, it's a very interesting place to be. And a lot of golfers are in that place. Most golfers, I would say, who've been playing for a number of years and, quote, work on their game and maybe they've taken lessons and they work and they, they love this game. Most golfers underperform based on things that you're talking about, not making good decisions. There's, there's, you know, so many golfers are working on things like, like how's, you know, it's like you said a couple of weeks ago, you ask someone, how's your game? They say, well, I'm working on trying to, I'm blocking my drives and I'm trying to straighten it out a little bit like that. As opposed to, um, I'm trying to ha- take a, an approach to the game that's going to give me a, a, a better chance of, yep. of lower scores, which Bingo. is a, a totally different thing, of, of course. And, then, and, and yeah, and it's kind of like an artificial you know, conversation out of context. But um, the, the majority of golfers, in, in, and I'm one of them, it's, it's been it's learning that there's approach to the game around the playing of the game like you call it that that a lot of people aren't exposed to and i think that um i think we're doing a lovely service here by 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 uh, expanding people's horizons if you will about there's a different way to play this game that has nothing to do with what you call ball hitting and i love that and and, and now just to put a you know little tie it up you're going to you know tim's playing in tournament this weekend um and, and one of the things I, I wrote down as a takeaway from the club championship I played, and I, and I had a nice... I mean, for me, my goals were I wanted to make the cut, because there is a cut. And the cut wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't easy. Like, I, I shot... And these are... I'm playing the back tees, so it's 6,900 yards. And I'm 61 years old. And I played with a kid that you know is 20, and another kid that's 33, and they both hit it. You know, an ungodly amount of yards past me, but the thirty-three-year-old, uh, you know, I beat him by four or five, and the twenty-year-old was the leader after two rounds, and I, I got to watch him play. <clears throat> but I shot seventy-eight, seventy-five, and then I shot seventy-three on the last round, and I had a it was a good round for me. But in that round of seventy-three, I wanted to tell you about this is the takeaway for for tournament golf, and and Fawcett talks about this in decade. Okay. And that's the concept of not panicking. Yeah. It's a, an easy thing to understand. It's a hard thing to do. You just have to, and it's part of what you talk about, Tim, and, and other people like you talk about acceptance. But if you stand for lower scores, which is really my today's sermon, be honest, we all want to shoot lower scores. Then you, it's incumbent on you to take what the golf course gives you, I know it's a cliche, and then move the F on. So I had two things I wanted to share with you. In my round of 73 from the back tees, that's one over par, I made three bogeys and I made two birdies. But I had three times I followed, or sorry, yeah, three bogeys and two birdies. And three times I followed birdies, bogeys with birdies. Like my next hole was a birdie. And no times did I follow a bogey during the entire tournament with anything worse than a bogey or a par. So that was a big one for me. But there's a a short hole on our golf course. It's a par three. From the blue tees, it's about 150. From the back tees, though, it's 175. And I 
semi-shanked a six iron. I, I, shank is, I'm being, I say shank for dramatic purposes. I just didn't hit it very good, and I almost hosled it into a bunker 45 yards from the green. <laughs> In fact, I walked up to that bunker, and I was like, I've been here nine years, and I've never been in this bunker. That's what I thought. <laughs> I had a 45-yard bunker shot over another bunker onto the green of a par three. And this is in the round of 73. Wow. I took my 45 degree. I took my 54, uh, uh, yard, a 54 degree uh, sandwich. And I said to myself, all you have to do here, buddy, is just get it on the green. I was 30 yards, uh, 30 feet short of the green. I got it on the green, 30 feet short of the hole. I two putted. I made my bogey and I moved on. But what it did is I, I, I no part of me was like, oh, now what it's going to happen. And I birdied the next hole. It's an easy par five. The point, though, is I didn't look at that like, oh, shit, now the round's been ruined or I, what, what's, gonna, what's going on? I went, oh, my, my reaction was, well, this is funny. I've never been in this bunker before. And I know now from being a, a more disciplined player that I wasn't trying to get that shot close. I wasn't trying to make up for the mistake and this is for you today Mm -hmm. i wasn't trying to make up that mistake with my next shot oh yeah i was just playing like they say in uh you know every shot has a purpose i was just playing the shot from that point forward and that's the hardest hardest part of being a golfer is that even when you've hit your first putt (laughs) eight feet by you can't say oh i've got to get this for par and then ram that one five feet by You've got to say, I've got this putt now. You know, what's my best chance to get it in or near the hole? And that's the hardest part about all the the D for discipline. And that's yeah. all. I just want to leave you with that, that every shot has is its own shot, not part of a continuum of shots. Well, GSL, thank you for your blessings, your counsel, <laughs> your support, your 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 big hug. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to take that into my club C. I feel really good about going into my club C. I've, I've, uh, I've never felt this kind of um, just. You know, I don't really need to do anything besides just take care of business. That doesn't mean I'm going to win the damn thing. It just means I'm feeling like I'm. I don't have to have a, um, you know, a certain plan or anything like that. Other than how I'm going to. No, but yeah, I know course. what you mean. You don't feel like you're going to the golf course to cram your final swings in to to, to remind yeah. you to learn how to hit a golf ball. Yeah. Um, and that's what a lot of people do in tournaments or in rounds of significance. They're they're trying to figure out before the round, like oh, I, I need to learn to golf. You know, you already you already have, for, and I've seen this now. Saw it yesterday. You have everything somebody would want to have in terms of your skill development. And with a few little strategic things, like I say to people, you know, if you knew how far right I aim when there's trouble left, you wouldn't believe it. So Be- well, I saw it yesterday and that was really cool. I mean, it, it really it makes, as we were talking, it makes for a more relaxed swing. You're not tense oh, yeah. because y- if you're aiming there, you know, it ain't, there's no way you're going OB or whatever. And I told you on the first day, on the first day, uh, first tee, I should say, on the last round of the club championship. You know, these kids I'm playing with are all hitting irons. Uh, but I wanted to lay it out there a little bit further, so I'm hitting my hybrid. But there's trouble down. It's, it's one leaf field, so there's a burn and out of be, yeah. out of bounds down the left hand side. And I almost aimed at the ninth tee, knowing because I know under pressure. 
I know I've done this on the first tee of big tournaments. I pull hook the ball. And I've stopped trying to wonder why. And I just play for it. And sure enough, Love it. I ripped that hybrid down the middle of the, of the fairway. And, and Mike Marshall, my buddy, goes, uh, nice shot, uh, champ. And I go, oh, really? Oh, okay, fine. You know, exactly. I knew exactly. I pull hooked that thing 30 yards. But if I'd been aiming down the right center of the fairway, I'd have been in that burn. And that's Absolutely. all I'm talking about. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, everybody. That's uh, where you find this man. You go check him out, his blog, and of course you can uh, have personal coaching, uh, as I've had uh, you know, the great pleasure. Uh, Humble and Fred Radio, we're back on Monday, and uh, you know, always a pleasure to uh, have uh, new friends of the show, Adam Young Golf. Great uh, get. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, that was awesome to have him on, yeah. Okay. So thanks, man. You know, now when, you, when I say to people, play well... I have nothing nothing to do with your golf swing. Just play well today, okay? All right, I'll take that to heart. Thanks. Thanks to JWApparelInc.com and all the fine apparel that you can get from them. Uh, and we're wearing it. And, of course, hey, high draw, low fade, all of it. The TP5 ball, the picks, the uh, tailor-made family of uh, amazing... Uh, implements of disaster. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca until next time. But the horns, they blow in that sound. 